0: Hello. Welcome to Be is for Bad, Episode 1. Official Episode 1. Uh, I missed you. How are you? Uh, this is Jake, And uh, I'm going to be reviewing Birdemic Shock and Terror today. So for those of you who are unaware, uh, Birdemic Shock and Terror is a 2008 horror movie directed by James Nagayan. Here's the description from uh, International Movie Database, or um, IMDB. A horde of mutated birds descends upon the quiet town of Half Moon Bay, California. I am echoing because my speakers are on right now. Let me try that again. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, IMDb says that uh, a horde of mutated birds descends upon the quiet town of Half Moon Bay. With the death toll rising, two citizens manage to fight back, but while they survive the birdemic? Uh, This movie is not rated. There are only a couple of F-bombs and a little bit of swearing, so I'm going to take out the F-bombs entirely. Uh, for myself, and I'm just gonna continue to do swearing, so shits and dams. So um, this was inspired by uh, Hitchcock's *The Birds*, as most bird-related horror movies are inspired from. Uh, James McGin spent four years making this movie. You couldn't tell, but it spent he spent four years making it. Uh, he didn't have enough money to hire a whole full-time crew. So, cast members had to take on roles that the crew typically would. Uh, they had to make fake names for the credits to make it look more professional. The budget was less than $10,000, which in um, last episode I said that these movies typically didn't have more than $1,000. I was incorrect in that statement. Uh, they typically don't have more than 10000 and I apologize for the misinformation that I have per- perpetuated. From... Some of the actors, mostly uh, Natalie Moore, or sorry, Whitney Moore, sorry. It was a very miserable experience. Uh, two makeup artists quit after the first two weeks of filming. So that really shows just how uh, <laughs> how bad it was. Whitney Moore, as I said before, uh, she said that it was awful. She played Natalie in, in the movie. She actually had to take on the role of those two makeup artists. And yeah. But Natalie had auditioned in a high school parking lot for her role of Natalie. Uh, About an hour later, she got a call that she had gotten a job, and she said that this was probably a, a reason to, like, see red flags going up because it was, like, an hour later. It was, like, an immediate thing. She also says that they shot on various locations without permits. She said that they showed up at various places, and they sometimes just got kicked out. One example of not only shooting on various locations, but also the miserable experience part is that they were filming on a public jogging trail. And James Nagayan decided to yell at joggers coming past. Uh, Whitney said that he shouldn't be yelling at joggers as any normal person would because it is a public jogging place. And uh, he refused to talk to her for like three weeks. And uh, wouldn't talk to her unless it was through their co-star, or rather, her co-star, Alan, who plays uh, Rod in the movie. Just as anyone who's ever seen the movie before, uh, the coat hangers were a last-minute decision by James and the Guyan. A lot of people think that perhaps it should have stayed a decision better left undecided. (laughs) It's so weird, it's so dumb. Anyways, so let's get into the meat of it. So, we start off with an opening shot. It kind of is a panning shot of the sea, and then it shows them the highways. Uh, It has very, like, droning kind of lulling you into a sort of calm thing. Very interesting uh, choice of music. This movie also goes from extremely quiet to extremely loud. I don't know what to put my TV on when, uh, when doing this because having it at 30 meant that I could hear the quiet scenes, but the loud scenes would make my upstairs neighbors complain. And having it at 10 meant that I could hear the loud scenes, but all the quiet scenes were nearly intelligible. So, and I could put captions on, I absolutely could have put captions on, but I decided, you know what, I'm gonna suffer, as I always do. Uh, One thing I want to mention as well is that I watched a DVD, I watched this on DVD, I got it a couple years ago for Christmas. And, uh, or no, for my birthday, whatever I got it as a gift and was extremely excited <laughs> that I got it as a gift. So there's a part where my DVD skips and, uh, I won't be able to talk about that part. And I'll, you'll, you'll know whenever it, it skips, it's just, I'm, I apologize in advance for that. So the opening shot and there is shaky cam in the car. I don't know why. Like, it, it's not establishing anything, it's not, like, showing anything of importance, it's just an opening credit scene. I mean, he's riding alone. So, he has no passenger, like, there's no reason for this person to have been in the passenger seat filming this. And the reason that it was, like, why was it, why did they go with shaky cam? Anyways, so... As we're riding along, we see, like, some wooded areas kind of mixing in with with civilization, like, you know, mixing nature and and human ways and stuff. And and these opening credits are inconsistent as well. They are consistently inconsistent. They uh, will show, like, the person's title, and then it will show what they did. Or, sorry, it will show the person's name. And then it'll show their title, and sometimes it has two names on screen at a time. Sometimes it has four. Sometimes it has one. You can't. It, it's incredibly inconsistent. Not that that took away from my viewing, because it literally was just a thing that sh- that happened. It 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 didn't bug me too much. So now we're gonna we fade out to this. Sign and we fade into this establishing shot of like a busy, cluttered street. And uh, we see our character kind of driving to this place, parking somewhere, getting out of his car, crossing the street, and then walking down the sidewalk. Well, there's an inconsistency here as well. Like I said, this is consistently inconsistent. Whenever we see him walking down the sidewalk, there is nobody on the sidewalk. And then suddenly there's people on the sidewalk before he gets into the place. So they either film these on two separate days or it got really busy <laughs> really fast. The first line of the movie. Anybody who watches this movie knows the first line of this movie. It's this blonde girl who is very um, unsure of her line. And she basically yells the word, hi. She yells hi and she shrugs. Now that's... That's not the best way I want to be introduced to a movie. I I, I would have said, like, you know, like, welcome to Half Moon Cafe, please take a seat, or whatever, you know, like, actually greeted the customer and not spin like, HOI! Like, actually greet your customer, you know, anyway. So then, this guy gets seated, and mind you, he does not have a name. He just gets seated. And then he just stares at this random girl who is quote-unquote eating. Now, all she's doing is moving her jaw up and down very slightly. And I'm sorry, but that does not constitute as eating, honey. You need to get a little bit better at that. This girl gets up, and she leaves with, and I'm not kidding you, a full plate, a full plate of toast on her table still. How do you not eat toast? Like, I've been out to breakfast before, right? And I get it. Sometimes, you're too full, you can't have it. At least take it home. Don't leave a full plate of friggin' toast on the table. Come on. So, this is where it kind of, like, where it starts with the poor, poor sound quality. As she leaves, the sound will cut out randomly. Almost like he was directing from behind, and he, like, yelled something and had to cut himself out of there. But now we're able to see, like, the guy's spot. And he has three drinks on the table, right? He has coffee, he has OJ, and he has water. Now, this establishes that, like, time has passed, but, like, how much time? Because at this point, I'm pretty sure he's still looking at the menu. Seriously, I think he's still looking at the menu. Anyway, so then he leaves. Then he goes to find this girl that just left. And goes up, and he taps her on the shoulder. And there's this really unnatural, really awkward dialogue. He's like, oh, I didn't mean to bother you. And she, with a smile on her face, goes, what? Like, not a condescending smile, just like a, oh, yeah, hi, nice to meet you. Like, oh, we've been friends for a while, smile. Like, you don't know this man. He just stared at you for three hours in a in, in a restaurant, not eating anything. Are you serious? Anyway, so he just randomly remembers school he's like oh yeah you went you went with me to Cinemateo Mateo high school and she's like yeah and he's like you were in my English class and she's like yeah and they're both not from around here so it's just happenstance that they happen to be at the same spot at the same time on the same day for whatever reason whatever so now that these people have names they're literally just randos. They don't introduce themselves. They just say, Hey, I remember you from high school. And the only thing that is revealed at this point is that she is a professional model. That's it. So this leads me to believe, you know, why should we care about them? Who who cares? These people are boring, she's a model. That's it. Who cares? But he calls her Natalie, right? So now she has a name. Her name is Natalie. But she never said her actual name. She never said it. He just calls her Natalie, and then she turns around. She could have done that just to be nice. She could have done that because it was just unusual. It could actually be her name. I'm pretty sure he's just saying this to confirm that it's actually her and not some rando. But it's still, like, why didn't you say her name? Why didn't she say her name? Why didn't you greet yourself? Like, hey, I remember you from remember you from high school. Natalie, right? And she'd been like, Yeah, I think so. English class? He would have been like, yeah. She would've been like, Rod, okay. Like, alright, got it. But no. Instead let's do this in the most confusing way possible. So then it pans to her getting into her car and the the panning shot goes too far to the left. It just keeps going, like, you don't think it's gonna stop, and it just keeps going. Where did this come from? Like, why? Why are you panning so far? Anyway, so then she gets in her car, she leaves, whatever. And then the news comes on, and it has this, like, it it, it establishes that there's going to be a, um, environment, nature theme, because, like, the polar bears or whatever, and, like, this is what bugs me about this. They can put fake birds on the screen. They can seriously put fake CGI birds on the screen. But they can't put a graphic on their news program. Like, seriously? Seriously. That's post-editing. That's post-filming pre That's How don't you do that? Seriously, how don't you put a freaking graphic on there? Anyway, so then there's some quiet driving with some music. And uh, I like this part because you can tell there's a very um, easily identifiable car. Like, his car is easily identifiable. It's the it's the blue Mustang, right? There's also another very identifiable car, and it's the Green Beetle. It's a very green Beetle, and it's freaking awesome. Other than that, it shows that uh, the gas prices are 459 which is 2008, and that makes a lot of sense. We were still in that... Uh, the, the oil crisis, so that makes sense, uh, and then it shows him driving in traffic, a lot, I mean, like, a lot, and, uh, I'm pretty sure this is just showing that he's going to work, but, you know, we're never told, you know, that he's going to work, he just shows up at a building, there's a consistency, though, whenever he walks into the building, and whenever I say the, it, it's consistently consistent, this is a consistent, consistent part, someone got their shit together as he's going into work you see him following a bald man on a cell phone and this woman comes in right behind him whenever he gets into the building that bald man is still talking on his cell phone and that woman is still behind him good consistency that's good Mar- like marks um anyway so now we're on to him at his cubicle and there's this like Weird blur. Like, if you watched the scene, you were like, are my eyes deceiving me? Why am my, why, what, like, there's literally just this weird blur on the camera for whatever reason. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, then he's, he's on the phone. He's like, uh, I need a, I'm making a sale. A million dollar sale. He made a million dollar sale today. Right? Why would you need to have another, like, seriously, you made a million dollars today. This person is just gonna give you a million dollars. And like, that's great, that's awesome, you made a sale, but what are you selling? What are you doing? They, they bought a million dollars of what? Like, w- w- like, w- w- like what, like what? What what are you selling? It's never established, what are you selling? It's like a million dollar sale, it's like great, awesome. But what? Now we go to Natalie, what Natalie's doing. And she's at a one-hour photo shoot. If you're a professional model, why aren't you getting this done by a professional model, or by a professional photographer instead of a one-hour photo studio? Like, nothing against people that that run one-hour photo studios. There's nothing against that. But why wouldn't you go, like, why wouldn't your agent, like, say, hey, we're doing shots for here, why not make it look more professional then? She's getting them done in one hour. It seems kind of dumb to me. But then again, I'm not a model. I don't know. I don't know if they if they actually do that or not. But, yeah, okay, sure. One hour photo. That's great. Also, this guy who's on the phone still does not have a name. We have Natalie. We have this guy. We have this coworker. These are the only people that we know. That's it. So if Natalie gets a phone call after her very cool one hour photo shoot and this is a consistency you will see is that the phone calls outside are very 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 quiet you can hear the background noise better than you can hear the actor and the phone calls coming from inside of a building are very loud like very loud whenever you turn it up to hear the inside or to hear the outside the inside will be too loud for you and you'll have to turn it down and then once you turn it down It switches right back to the outside and then you have to turn it back up so you can hear it and you miss like three lines. Ridiculous. Also uh, I want to mention that Victoria's Secret wouldn't be calling you for if you had just gone to a one-hour photo shoot. That's not gonna happen. I'm sorry but I I have to make a comment (laughs) On, on the end of the phone call how awkward it was how weird like Natalie was Natalie was hanging up for a solid five minutes. She's like, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, I, that's, that's great. Okay, yeah, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, alright, okay, yeah, yeah, thank you too, bye, bye. Like, it was so long. Why did you take so long to, to say, okay, yeah, thanks, bye? This didn't have to be an hour and a half long conversation. Uh, so, now we find out that the guy's name is Rod, because she calls him, or rather, he calls her on the phone, which is random, <laughs> very random, and, uh, it, Natalie seems like a very popular girl today, because she's had two phone calls in a matter of 10 minutes, uh, I also think this is kind of funny that she didn't save Rod's number, because he's like, she's like, who is this, and he's like, it's Rod, and she's like, oh, yeah, the guy from the restaurant, How's it going? Like, why didn't you save his number? Why didn't you save it? That's dumb. Okay, whatever. Maybe she wasn't planning on calling him or having her, him ever call her. I don't know. I just... I I like to think that she was like, you know what, I'm gonna weigh my options and I'm not gonna talk to this guy again. But, he's back in your life, hon. Sorry to tell you that. Um... Then he says, like, that, that weird, gross comment about lingerie, like, you look so good in those lingerie, like, you dude, calm down, <laughs> slow your roll, man. Anyways, then he asks her out to dinner, right, which, you know, would be normal if they'd picked a time of day and a place. He's literally like, I know this great Thai place, and she's like, sounds great, see you then, and he's like, yep, see you then. And we're like, see you when? What is it, when? When, you, when are you going to see each other? Like at least say like, hey, what days are you free? Or make it like a, like a they they made a date later or something like. Like you're still establishing that they're going on a date, and I get that. But at least say like. Then they discussed it, you know. I don't know. Like ha- have a roundabout way of saying they they made a date. So it's like a little bit later. And uh, now it's polo shirts and basketball. Alright. He's, he's wearing a polo shirt and playing basketball. Anybody who plays basketball, do you typically wear a polo shirt and shorts when you go play basketball? When you're out on the court, you're like, man, I really like this friggin' blue-ass shirt with a collar on it. You think I'm gonna score some threes today? Like, dude... You don't wear a polo shirt. You wear like a, a a like a jersey or like a tank top or even just a regular t-shirt. But you don't wear a freaking polo shirt. A polo shirt you wear that to either work or church. Like you don't wear that to you don't wear that on the court. Come on, man. I don't play basketball. I don't know. Anyways, so then they they do the mention of uh, there's a heat wave in winter. So this establishes our time frame. That we're in winter. We don't know when, but we're in winter somewhere. Alright. So, we now have a time frame. We know that this is going to be in winter. And, uh, it's funny how they they go, Well, let's call it a day. And then they just go hang by the fence. I guess that means go hang by the fence. Next time I, you know, tell my coworkers, Man, time to call it a day. I gotta find the nearest fence and just hang around it. (laughs) Because that's what it means, apparently. This is also, also where we find out that his co-worker is a complete pervert. The, uh, day without sex line is really random, because we're, like, two, three lines past it, and you're just like, man, a day without sex is a day wasted. Like, a lot of us waste our days then. Seriously. <laughs> like, you must be a very sad, sad man. Very sad. So let's go to the next day. So here's the newscast for the next day, and and she's like, oh, there's a whole Grand Prix, a green Grand Prix, with uh, you know, all these all this cool stuff, and then whatever. And it's like, she says that Hollywood celebrities will be driving the race cars. Like, okay, why? Who? Who are these people? You're just saying Hollywood celebrities, and, and they're not even like. License to be driving this kind of stuff. Like, why not give some names? You know? Johnny Depp, Brad Pitt, I don't know, Angelina Jolie. Like, who are these people? Give them names. Don't just say Hollywood celebrities. Like, say something, you know? Who who cares who's driving the cars? Who cares? It's a Green Grand Prix. Like, they could be judging it. I could see them judging it. Like, who wins? or like a talent competition or, or something like like Free American Idol was huge in 2008 or well, from 2004 to 2008 like it was huge. Why not say like, you know, the get, the the celebrities from or the the get the judges rather the ju- judges from America's Got Talent or American Idol or whatever will be there to judge the end of the race or something like Even something like that, something that's recognizable, something we can grab onto. Hollywood Celebrities is so nebulous. It's so just, like, grasping at straws for something. Like, okay, Hollywood Celebrities. Great. Now we go on to where Rod is interrupted as he's eating food by this guy named Jerry Owens, who just randomly shows up at his doorstep. So apparently, Rod had made plans to talk with this Jerry Owens fellow about getting solar panels. And uh, it's ridiculous how little is accomplished in this scene. Jerry Owens never comes back. We never see an external shot of Rod's house a second time. This is the first time we see Rod's house, okay? Jerry Owens goes outside with Rod, and we watch them walk the whole way from the front door all the way to the start, or rather the end of the driveway, okay? Jerry turns around and points to a random spot on the roof and says, that's where we're putting your solar panel. And then it zooms in on the random part of the roof. Jerry has no reference. He has zero frame of reference as to where it's going to go wouldn't that be up to the people who are actually installing it and saying, we're going to put it right here. We're going to put it right next to this window. We're going to put it right on the, you know, easternmost side or whatever, or the northernmost side or something. Some place that, you know, faces the sun or whatever. Like, he can't make that decision. Like, he could just say, we'll put it somewhere on the roof that seems optimal. You don't have to give him a direct spot. So now we move fast forward to the date, right? So, Rod is just standing in this place by this restaurant with flowers, and he's just hoping that she shows up. Like, he's hoping she shows up, and and, and he hopes, you know, like, if this is even the right time, or even the right place. Because he just said a Thai place that he knows that's really good. So, there could be, like, Two, maybe three Thai places around this Half Moon Bay, and she's going to every single one of them to find where he's at. Like, tell tell her. Also, tell her what time. We need to know what time. Like, come on. Like, like I'm. I'm just kind of in the concept of how don't you know how to set up a date. You say, let's go on this day at this time. Is that okay? Does that work in your schedule? Yeah, we'll go with that. Go there. Like, is this a Saturday? Is this a Sunday? Why are you outside in in winter as well? Like, I know you said there's a heat wave, but he's, like, she's also wearing, like, a very weird stretch dress sort of deal. I'm not even sure it's a stretch dress. Just a weird, like, dress. Like, it's weird. Anyways, so he says like something about quiet personality I don't know why I have quiet personality written down. But he talks about his personality. And he's like, he's like Yeah, my, my job fits my personality and I'm like, Yeah, you're you're boring frick. You're like super boring, man. <laughs> you uh you're in sales. You're in sales, that's it. <laughs> that's all you do is you do sales. And this is where we find out that he sells software. What software? It's so vague. Uh, and you can tell, like through this whole date, like Natalie is like way super into the conversation. She's like rolling her eyes and falling asleep and asking him a million questions. Like if I could get, if I could get it on tape, like their date, just that conversation. Like I could fall asleep every single night. Because just hearing him answer the questions and just being, like, not the stock option. If we make it big, I'd be, like, droning off super quick. ASMR. Anybody who does ASMR, do that. Just do (laughs) do Rod's date. (laughs) Just do Rod's date. (laughs) That's it. That's it. That's the whole thing. It's just, like, ten hours of him, like do a Paul stretch. Do the Paul stretch of their date and just edit edit so that it's just Rod's part of the conversation and just stretch it out for ten hours. <laughs> ASMR or like if you really need to sleep there you go. But yeah, Rod just keeps freaking talking. He, just, he talks for ten minutes about nothing. Dumb. Uh, and then like, you know, Nat's talking about how her mom doesn't support her dreams or whatever and You know, all these questions are mostly about him. She doesn't really get to talk about herself much. Uh, He says he's an Eagles fan, which is funny, considering the bird bird theme. And also she mentions Alex, her cat. That went on for too long. That went on for way too long. I didn't like that part. Then they go to this club, and the club is named Toons. I thought that was a nice name and I wanted to like mention that. Tunes is a funny is a funny name. T O O N S. Just in case you wanna go back and rewatch that part. Which I'm not sure a sane person who would want to, but tunes. Funny. I thought that the music that they used to end the night was like perfect. It was very sombre, very romantic. Uh it kind of it, it was one of the more masterful parts of music. Fusing with the characters. I, I did I did very much enjoy the the end part of the date. I like this part. Natalie ain't no slut. She uh she refuses Rod's advances whenever he's like, Can I come up? And she's like, I'm not the kind of girl, so good night. And he's like, Okay. So according to Rod's buddy, he just wasted his date. He just wasted the day because he didn't get no sex. So we find out or next we we follow Natalie and i think it's the next day or like a week later or something i don't know they do not establish a time frame she goes to meet her mom and this scene i'm not lying to you has the best acting in the entire movie there's no peak this is where the peak is this is where the movie gets its best acting from and a question that i have is who is Nat's mom making lunch for? Like, she's like, I'm just making lunch for, you know, for people. And it's like, you have a whole thing, like a whole thing of stuff there for, I'm going to guess, sandwiches. Are you making food for yourself? Are you making food for your husband? Who are you making food for? Natalie has a list for Rod that she establishes uh, as, to, as to who he is and, 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 and you know, what he, what she found out about from her first date. So she calls him smart and ambitious. Okay, that's, that's, that's clever. That's okay, fine. She also says that he's interested in what she has to say and also doesn't want anything out of her. Well, I can say uh, very... Uh, truth, truthfully, that uh, he literally only talked about himself the entire date and he wanted sex at the end of the date. So that's a lying. It's lying right there. She's a liar. She might. She's not a whore, but she's a liar. Her mom then says that she's always been supportive of her modeling career. Yeah, okay. But then she mentions about the real estate thing. So. Her mom wants her to go into real estate. Fine. And then the awkward ending of that scene where her mom just gives a solid five minute thumbs up. It's not five minutes, it's not solid five minutes, but it's just she's holding that thumb up for dear life. Why did they have that shot hang on for so long? Stupid. So now we go to uh, a later, later part uh, or like the next scene rather, and there is in sort of Asian girl wearing a bikini. She's not wearing her underwear, she's wearing a bikini. Uh, this is because the guy didn't want her or any of the actresses to actually have sex with their co-stars. Which is kind of funny because like, swimwear isn't going to prevent a penis from going in. And underwear isn't going to prevent a penis from going in. Like, You're not really going to have sex with them regardless. Like, this isn't a porn. Anyways, so, uh, this is where we establish Imagine Peace. Also, the co-worker has a very, very, very hairy chest. I'm not sure if anybody else noticed that, but he has an extremely hairy chest. Uh, we finally learn his name. His name is Rick. We learn her name. Her name is Mai. Uh, she is the best friend of Matt, of Nat, sorry. Here's another quiet phone call outside and a loud one inside. Now we get to the boardroom scene. I may, for anyone who didn't watch the movie, I'm gonna overlay that here specifically so you can hear it. Ladies and gentlemen, I have some great news. Our board of directors has agreed to the acquisition of NCT software by Oracle Corporation for a billion dollars. You guys have worked hard and you've all earned your stock option. Congratulations! Yeah. Did you un- did you understand what happened in that? Okay, no. Nobody understands what happened in that set in that moment. Okay, not a single person can tell you concisely what happened. Okay. I'm also going to put it in the link dump so you can physically see what's going on. Okay, I you need to physically watch this this scene. So my notes go as such: a billion dollars. They are throwing around money. Uh, I also say, clap much? They clap for the whole scene. Also, what was the reason to call this meeting? What was the actual reason to call this meeting? Oh, it was stock options. Their stock stock options came in. in. Okay. Why? This couldn't have been a newsletter. This couldn't have been... A memo, this couldn't have been, you know, anything other than this. Like, they basically sold out, is basically what that's saying. Their company got sold out. They're all millionaires. So then there's the meat of that part, where they start clapping, and then stop clapping. And then they go into full clapping, then they stop clapping. Then they go back into full clapping, and then they stop clapping, and then they keep clapping. What, what? Cut it differently. Why is that so bad? So then the main CEO, I don't know his name, decides to talk to Rod. What makes Rod so special? Why is he talking to him? Why is Rod the special, most specialist little boy there? Why? And I will say the CEO was a good actor. He was good. He, He was good at playing that part. Oh, man. If, if they would casted it differently, he would have been the main character. Natalie would have been her part. Nat's mom would have been the same. Mai would have talked a little bit louder. So, then we get to the part where Rick brings an RC car to work. And he runs it into Rod's feet. My question is why? Why did you bring that to work? Was, is it specifically to do that? Like What was the purpose of bringing this giant RC car to work? How did you sneak that in, first off? You didn't know about this buyout, like, this morning. Where did you get this freaking RC car at? Wh- wh- why do you have this? Then it gets to where they're talking about, like, Natalie and all that stuff, and, you know, Rick goes, you know, grow up, man. And then he just says a slew of inappropriate statements, like, girls only want, to- girls only want to get in your pants. Girls only like hot Ferraris. Like, dude, you're the one that needs to grow up, for real. And then he he does that, very condescending. Really, like, it sounds so condescending whenever he says that, doesn't it? Like, did you watch it? Like, I it it sounded like he said it, like very condescendingly. So then it shows their like the the double date that they set up a couple scenes ago, and they have a good shot of the cinema. It's just bad that they're somewhere else. Which, at first, I didn't notice. So that was good scene establishment. For, sh- for real, that was good scene establishment. But you look in the back, and the... <laughs> the cinema is nowhere to be found. The cinema looks different from the shops that they're walking away from. Um, also, didn't realize that an inconvenient truth... Was a movie. I thought he was saying, that movie that we watched was good and also an inconvenient truth, like, okay, I didn't know that was that was a movie. Uh, imagine Peace. So then they go to Sand uh, Hill Road, right? I'm gonna take my horse to the Sand Hill Road. I'm sorry. There's this meme. I'm sorry. I'll no. I was gonna say. That This is a a butthole road thing. Uh, Anyways. (laughs) I'm gonna take my horse to the butthole road. (laughs) Sorry. I'm going off topic. Um, But there's a quiet meeting and there's very loud music. You cannot hear what's going on. Except for the fact that Rod is spewing literal garbage for three minutes. About nothing. It's about the solar panel and it makes no sense whatsoever. It is just weird why Uh, and then they do a whispering thing him like this one dude and this other dude whispers in his ear what was the purpose of that why did he whisper in his ear and then you know he's like well what's the funding and Rod's like oh I just need a small loan of 10 million dollars and then one dude's like he looks over at the other side and goes this is uh this is revolutionary green tech And they would just look at him, and he goes, Alright. Like, that's it. Alright. Sold. That's it. It's revolutionary green tech. That's all we had to say. We're good. But uh, at this point, we never see them again. I hope you liked looking at their faces, because you will never see these people again in this movie. So we'd established before, when they were playing baseball, basketball, basketball, yeah, that it was in, um... It was in winter, right? We don't know what what month, but it was in winter. Now it's the Art and Pumpkin Festival. So now we're in October. Has the time really been established? Do we know that, that it's winter? Or is it October? We, like, How did time go backwards? That's not how time works. You know, you don't go from friggin' January to December to November to October... It goes the other way. Why are we suddenly in October? How long have these two been dating? It's weird. And then the, oh, the lovers on the moon thing. And she's like, yeah. Like, what is this? Where did this come from? Who, Who, were we supposed to know this was called lovers on the moon? What significance does that have? The moon isn't even a part of this. Like, it's not. Like, like... What does the moon have to do with birds? It does it has nothing to do with birds. Why Why lovers on the moon? Why is it significant? It's not. I'm going falsetto, excuse me. But why, why lovers on the moon? Why is it like a, oh yeah, <laughs> duh, lovers on the moon. You knew that. What, what is that? Anyways, so then this little girl's pulling a tractor, and then Natalie says what everyone's thinking at that point. How cute. That's what I thought. Whenever I first saw her, I was like, oh, that's cute. And then she's like, how cute. And I'm like, hey, Nat, you got it. So then they said to go on the beach in October. <clears throat> they go on the beach. The beach in October. And it is loud. And then he, I think Rod goes like, the sea is beautiful. And then there's just, just this gross shot <laughs> of, the, of the ocean. Is like you could have got you couldn't have gotten a better shot than that. Come on. So then he asks her, like, you know, what's your ideal man? And she's like, Well he's gotta have some good stock options. And he's like, Well, at least you're being honest. Like like bruh. Bruh. Bruh, you know, like you know she's not being honest, she's joking with you, right? Weird. So they keep walking at the beach and they start like fifteen feet back. And then they keep walking forward, and then they go back those 15 feet. Are they running out of beach? Like, why are, why do they keep doing this? Why does they keep going this, you know, this way, right? At least have them circle or make it so that, you know, scenery isn't the same or have it be different parts of conversation. Don't don't keep it. Don't keep them going back. That's weird. Also, she says she has no plan B. And then you can't hear any lines that she, that anyone is saying because it's so loud. And then Rod says the word Infectious Don't touch it, it could be infectious Is that even a real word? Is infectious even a real word? I'm gonna look it up real quick Like, as I'm recording right now I don't think that infectious is a real word I always make fun of that part of the movie Because it's like Oh, he said infectious ho ho ha, ha ha But I, I'm being genuine, genuinely serious I I don't know I don't know Give me a second, I'll look it up. So infectious is a word. It's capable of, capable of uh, causing infection, capable of being transmitted by infection. It's just the way that he uses it, it could be infectious. It, it, it just feels weird. It feels like it shouldn't be a word. I'm sorry. <laughs> they just had to go to an Irish bar. Okay, they don't order. They just sort of are there. And the waiter comes by and says, hello, and just gives them beer. You you can't hear anything that's going on. Nothing at all. Nobody else is around. You can't hear what they're saying. You would have thought they had, like, a boom operator or something. Nope. Nope. No, no, no. No boom operator. You can't hear a single word. I'm repeating a line because I don't have to uh, go into the next part. Oh, yes. I'm hanging out. Hanging out. Hanging out with my family. Having ourselves a party. Why is there a clap? This dude also does not know what he's singing. He has no clue what he's singing. Like, you you look at his mouth, okay? If you say, hanging out, hanging out, hanging out with my family, your mouth moves a little bit. This guy's tongue is moving too fast for the word hanging out. In fact, the the tongue doesn't even reach the re- roof of the mouth. Hanging out. Maybe with the N. Hanging out. Hanging out. Hanging out. Like, it seems like he's just adding syllables to it. Hanging out. Hanging out. Like, dude. Also, if you listen to the lyrics, they're kind of disgusting. Like, they're they're genuinely just, like, gross. <laughs> they're not great. Uh, also, this guy does not need a sound system. Apparently, he is his own band, and his own backup singers, and his own amplification. Like how? Like oh my god, dude! How talented do you have to be, right? You wrote your own song, and now you're standing on stage being your own backup singers and band. Insanity. And to kind of add to this, the dancing that they're doing does not match with the song. It doesn't match at all. It's not even a song you can dance to. It just seems like uh, they were just like, we need to have our friend Damien come in and uh, sing a song because he's been bugging me to do it for two years. Like, he's singing. Okay. There you go. There's no more people at the bar. Okay. That's it. There's more people at the bar. That's what my notes say. There's no more people at the bar. You still can't hear anything. <laughs> Goes on to the next scene. When they decide to grab a motel. Now, these people have been dating for almost a year now, apparently, at this point. And uh, this is the first time, apparently, he's seen her in underwear. Or maybe it's the millionth time he's seen her in underwear because he is so underwhelmed. He's just standing there like, okay. Like, at least be a little bit excited that this woman decided to strip down for you. Like, come on. And that's a difficult thing, especially for, like, new actresses to do, is just show their bodies. Like, I'd be nervous to do that, for sure. I mean, I'm not an actress, but, like, you know, if I was there... Like, Rod isn't even taking off his clothes. He doesn't take his clothes off for that part. He's wearing a a freaking tank top and pants. Like, dude, she at least put effort in, right? Oh, yeah, the TV also has birds on it. And then it comes to a part where it's just, it's just, it's just uh, gross. It's just, it's just, no. It's, it's, no, it's a very, it, a very, ooh, no, 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 no part. I was yelling at my TV saying, no, 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 no. Worst scene. Worst scene. It's the worst scene. Ooh, it's so gross. So disgusting. It's the sex scene It's bleh. I don't want to see it. It's gross. Ew. Yuck. Gross. And then it has some quiet shots of the city. It's very quiet. Very nice and quiet. Suddenly, out of nowhere, it's loud and it's shrill. Why would you have it be that loud? This is why it's called shock and awe, or shock and terror. Because all the shock and terror comes from this part. Because it's very quiet, and then it's really loud and really shrill. Because, have you ever seen those like, um, way back in like the early days of the internet when they had that maze, and once you got to the end, like you put all your concentration on that maze, and then as soon as you got right to the end, it flashed a really scary face on the screen, and it was really loud. That's the shock and terror part of, of the movie, right here, where it's loud and shrill. Uh, also, no music, just screech. No screech. Only screech. Only screech. And it, from the shots, it looks like it's like, early afternoon, like, some look like they're maybe in the morning, but it looks mostly like it's early afternoon, uh, nobody else really cares, like, if you watch, people are just kind of going about their day and driving and, you know, grabbing bananas or whatever, like, they're just doing stuff, you know, they don't care there's birds right now, they're bombing gas stations and uh, also, Rod decides that his battery's dead in his phone. After he looks at it, taps on the screen, and then puts it up to his ear. Don't you think that maybe it would have been dead before you put it up to your ear? And the hotel f- or the motel phone rather would have also been dead. Like yeah, I can understand picking that one up and hearing it, but how is your phone dead? You Should have charged that shit. They decided to barricade the uh, the door with the bed, but great job, you know. Only one bird hit the door, or window rather. There was a random cutout of sound, and then we get to see Natalie's butt. So there's a positive. Then they got dressed, and there's suddenly no birds. And she's like, "Why did they stop?" And he's like, "I don't know. I mean, he was in the same room as you. How would he know?" Like, he didn't have any other information. You have the same information that he does. That's it. <laughs> uh, this is the part of the movie where they decide that trusting strangers is a good thing. They decide, now, yeah, trust strangers. Good. Good moral uh, moral compass there. We are now introduced to two new characters, Ramsey and girlfriend Becky. Rod says that they tried to drive away, but they don't have any car keys, And to that I say, no, you are a liar, because you didn't. You got out of your room and started looking for other people. You did not try to drive away or find your keys. Nothing. Becky's also stepping over lines, like a lot of lines, (laughs) when it comes to Ramsey and stuff. And she's stepping over, like, she should have practiced more, or she should have... Asked for a bigger line. Like, she she was stepping over. It was it was awful. And then in my notes, I just have coat hangers. Coat hangers. They're comically swinging at these birds. There is no music, there is screeching, and it is not intense in any way, shape, or form. The music also randomly cuts out when it shows them at this scene. Just swiping at these friggin' birds with these coat hangers. The- like, Put some music in there or something, like, oh my god, the birds are also not affected. Like, at least show them getting some battle damage or something. What, like, what are you doing? This is also where you, where Ramsey decides to trust the stranger, Rod, with not only his van, but also his fully loaded pistol. Go ahead and drive my van, random person I met at a motel. Also, here's a fully loaded gun. Please don't kill me with it. They go to the side of the road, and he's like, Becky, cover. She doesn't have a gun. How's she going to cover you? Uh, They check, they're they're checking these cars out. They're just on the side of the road. And no one else that's driving by really cares (laughs) when they're checking these cars. Uh, Everybody there is dead as well. Every single person there is dead. Until they hear some kids. They hear uh, a kid under a car and a kid somewhere else, and they don't know where this other kid's at. But these kids are smart, because they don't want to talk or go with the man with a freaking gun. Good job, kids. For real. Good job. Do not go to strangers with guns. Even if your mommy's dead, it doesn't matter. Don't go to a man with a gun unless he's, like, a police officer or something. Then they start shooting. And the guns are really loud, and it hurts my head. To find the kid in a truck, in in a trunk, and I guess that makes sense because there's a dead man, like in front of that trunk, that Ramsey had to push off, in order to get the kid out. Which I thought was a nice touch. I thought that was like the the guy locked the kid in there, so that, you know, they, the the birds didn't come and attack him and and whatever like. That's that that's a good touch. That's for sure a good touch. And then he's like, oh yeah, this is the safest time to come out, and then the birds friggin' attack. Then there's a sound, then they hit them with the gun, then they leave. Why? Why aren't the birds attacking more? Why are they shooting so much? I don't understand. And then there's a quiet shaky cam, and now suddenly all the names are important. So we find out that this girl's name is Susan. But we don't know the guy's name. He's just a little boy. And there's a bad dub that's in the car. They try to talk. And you can tell that they're not really saying what they're saying. Like, why was this so loud? Why, was it, why did this have to be redubbed? Probably because they're on the road. Also, where's Becky? She just kind of got lost. <laughs> I don't know where she's at. Uh, they find a... Uh, like a store... And Ramsey says he's going to Stand Guard. They go into this random store and they start looting it, quote unquote, looting it. Natalie goes behind this, like, section that has, like, just bread in, like, a, a, a glass enclosure or whatever. And there's, like, ranch in there. I don't understand why there's ranch sitting in there with bread, but there is. They're also inconvenienced by the Eagles. Like, Ramsey's like, the eagles are coming, and they're like, ugh, really? And then they walk outside. Uh, There's suddenly no gun recoil, also. And there's on the road a thing that says, USA, and then it's pointing to the one side. I found out, I think that's like a place in California, I'm not sure, but I just thought that was funny. It's like, USA, tell her right, go ahead. Uh, Suddenly, Becky shows up. Uh, They also establish that eating outside is safe. You can just go sit outside on a park bench, picnic bench, whatever, sprawl your food out, start eating, the birds won't attack you, you'll be fine. Uh, and then there's an old guy on a bridge and, you know, Natalie and Rod are like, hey, let's go bug that guy. And he's like, hey, go away. And they're like, no. And he's like, please go away. And they're like, "Uh, nah, but like, what are you doing here? And he's like, all right, I guess I'll tell you. And then, like, that we're warm down real quick. <laughs> like, okay, uh, <clears throat> this scientist guy has tested these birds' blood and finds out that they have this bird flu virus, right? Becky's like, these birds are attacking people. And the scientist's like, nah, bra. like, they're all dead. They ain't attacking shit. Like, have you, did you see these dead birds? They can't be attacking shit. Look at them. They're all floppy. And then she's like, why are they attacking people? And bras like, like scientist dude's like, I don't know. Huh. Like, you're a scientist. How don't you know? Haven't you researched this kind of stuff? Like, I know it's only been, like, a day, but, like, how can you tell that they're attacking people? And this scientist is unsure of global warming. He knows that it's there, but he's not sure about it, you know? He starts doing this exposition, and it takes... Way too long and is super boring. I don't want to sit there and listen to this for sure. It's it's boring. Uh, he says they got their people got their eyes clawed out. Whatever. So we now know that these birds claw out eyes, and we saw that. But they also slice people's throats, and that wasn't established. We were not told that that happens. Uh, anyways, and and uh, he calls them. Blackbirds. He doesn't call them eagles. He calls them blackbirds. And then we, uh, find out humans are the true villains. It's humans that are really the enemy. Like, okay. That doesn't make me feel bad. Uh, we move on to another scene. Like, where's Becky? Oh, yeah, she's taking a shit. Uh, this is where they say. Fuck! <laughs> And they they keep saying the F word for like maybe three, maybe four uh, times after this until I don't want to ruin it. But Ramsey reveals that um, he was in the Marines. Why didn't we know that up until this point? We've known this guy for like a good hour into the movie. How don't we know that he was in the Marines? He never said anything. No one said anything at all. He just showed up. He's just in the Marines now. Oh, yeah. Imagine peace. Uh, Natalie comes back, and she's like, I didn't do anything. She's dead. And Ramsey's like, what? And he runs back. Like, she had a gun in her hand. And Becky's throat is slit. So, if unless your gun has a bayonet on it, I doubt you killed her. And then Ramsey decides to do some anger firing, because why not? And then Ramsey runs back to the bus and he er, runs back to the van and goes, Let's go. But he's the only one outside. So why are you telling people to go? He then hits the dashboard out of anger. Okay. So I want to mention how Becky was unestablished this whole time. I didn't care about her, I didn't care about her death. She was just some girl. With a white shirt. She didn't have... Like, she had a name. But she was so not in this movie. That her death was just like... Eh, alright. We find out... I found out that... Becky's character... Be- Becky's actress... Was going to acting school. And had to quit the movie. So they are like, we'll just... Cut her out. We'll kill her character off. So, for a... um for a sudden, like, whatever, a sudden expulsion, that was okay, but also, maybe she could have just left, like, she didn't have to die, but this, I didn't care about her, okay, I'm sorry, I didn't care about her, she didn't get, she didn't, she had no line, she had no personality, and I'm sorry, uh, then we get to the bus, this is where my, uh, my DVD skips, so I, I apologize, but, This is like where the hero in Ramsey comes out. He's like, I'm going to kill, or I'm going to die trying to kill things. And he just decides, I'm going to start shooting at the bus that has three people in it. There's three people in this bus, and he's just wildly firing at this bus at these birds. The bus also, I'm not sure if you noticed, changed positions. The one girl, as she was leaving, decides to just casually flip her hair. Like, she's saying, no, I don't want to leave, but... Let me just flip my hair real quick. Now, my DVD skipped at this point, so I didn't get to actually see this, but I know that they decide to leave, and uh, nobody wants to leave, but they leave anyway with Ramsey. And as they're being trailed out of this bus, the, um, the birds come by and spew bird acid on them. They spew bird acid. Right here would have been where... Um, they go to this convenience store, and the guy's like, it's $100 for gas, for a gallon of gas. Rod's like, I'll, I don't want to, but I'll pay that. Okay, it's established that gas is really expensive. Now we get to a part where you should, you know, really, where the consequences of trusting the uh, strangers is really going to get into your, like, head here. There's this guy, they call him the cowboy. He's like, hey, can you sell me some gas? And then it's like a really bad dub and then, you know, he pulls out a gun and he's like, yeah, uh, you're going to sell me some gas right now because I need gas for my truck. And Rod's like, okay, take it easy. I will sell you some gas. And he just says a threat that's not really a threat. He's like, yeah, so go get it. So Rod gets out. He goes to the back of the truck and... Which, mind you, in the back of the truck, or rather in the back of the van, is the gas can. He gets it out and gives it to the guy who's still pointing the gun at him and walking the opposite direction from his truck. And then a bird comes by and slits his throat. Dude doesn't care. He's silent. And then he just gets his throat cut. No one goes to examine his neck. No one goes up to him to make sure that he's dead. Why should we care? Why did you... The, 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 the camera then zooms in on this guy's face, and just a slit across his throat. Why do we care about that? We know that it came by and slashed him. We don't need to see it. Also, they leave both the gas and this guy's gun, both of which are, an, are expensive, but apparently not in this apocalypse. So they're driving randomly, and randomly they decide to stop by the road for some fresh water. So that whole case of water that they got from before is suddenly gone. How long have these people been on the road? We don't esta- It's never established. We don't know how many days have gone by. It's just shown. It, as far as I can tell, all of this happened within two three days, and like the apocalypse part only happened in one. So now we, uh, or no, Rod sees a creek from the road. Okay, he just sees it. And, uh, they walk a long way, a long way to get to this creek. So, um, it doesn't show the creek. They just go to walk to find it. Uh, then they do show it, and suddenly, they decide to get some water from it. Now, I want to mention this is not safe. There are parasites living in those waters. You need to boil that water before you actually consume it. Anyways. Uh, So this creek is shaded, and it's downhill, so I can only assume that Rod has some super psychic natural ability or some super sight, because not only is he able to find this creek, he also sees the forest creepmen watching them get water, right, and this dude also looks like he's wearing a wig, I'm not sure if anybody else thought that, but it looked like he was wearing a wig. Rod points the gun at this guy and is like, hey, what are you doing here? And the guy just goes, peace, man! That's gonna really convince him. Uh, Rod doesn't stop pointing the gun. He just keeps pointing it at him. Uh, Now is when you shouldn't be trusting strangers. Especially when you're, like, out and about, you know? I think this is also sort of an allegory... Allegory? Is that the word to say? It's sort of a way to say, like... We as humans don't trust nature anymore. And we only trust that what's civilized. So... Ramsey and the motel, the cowboy and his gun, you know, these different people were just like, they come from society, they must be okay, you know. But, oh, this person lives in the woods, suddenly they're a bad person. No. And that's not even how it is. I don't believe that I trust more so a person from the woods, if I was intruding on their spot, to be more aggressive, but they're not. Anyways, so they decide, you know, now's not a good time to trust strangers, and then they decide now's a good time to trust strangers, because the kids are like, can we play in your treehouse, and the guy's like, yeah, come on up, he's like, yeah, let's go, let's go to my treehouse, and uh, they're like, no, it's, no, we're not doing that, and this dude just starts talking about this redwood, and then it shows the woods, and that's it, (laughs) Which one is the redwood? Like, the white balance is so off, you can't tell that there's even one cut down in the middle. Really, seriously, rewatch that scene. You'll see in the middle of all those trees, there is one that is just cut. You find out this man's name is Tom Hill. Uh, and then a mountain lion comes by, and they leave. But Tom's like, you need to get back to your car. Did they ever say that they had a car? I don't think that they did. There's also the line that Rod says that I want to point out, he goes Burning. It's like these trees are burning. Alright. They uh this random forest fire, don't know why there's a random forest fire, but there is. There's no smoke, but they're coughing up a storm. And there's no smoke from whenever they leave. It's just casually burning. But yeah, then it comes the Napoleon Dynamite music, and they're like, they see this car, and they see this lighthouse, and, you know, Natalie's like, oh, hey, that's, that's, that's Mai's house. Like, Mai lives in the lighthouse, okay? And then we spot Mai's car, even though it's been a while, and we've all seen it, she's seen it, and she's like, oh, hey, there's her car, randomly, Cool. And she's wearing that shirt that says, Imagine peace. So we need to start imagining peace, everybody. It's like, oh it's so cute, because they're holding hands. And then Mai dies and her final words, I don't understand what she says. Like, I could rewind it and turn my volume up and still not understand what she's saying. She's like, I, I just, And then dies. Like, I don't know what you what were your final words? What were you trying to say? I don't get it. I don't get it. And it's just like a face... She just has a face slash. Nothing else. No throat slash, nothing else. It's just... Cut her in the neck. Apparently she just bled to death or something. I, I... I don't know. Then the music just stops. And then they're driving and... He's like, damn it, we're out of gas. It's like, oh man, where could you get gas like that? Oh, uh, maybe if you hadn't left it with the cowboy, you'd have some gas. Perhaps. They say like, well, we'll just hang out on the side of the road until... Somebody comes, somebody drives by, and they'll see us, and they'll pick us up. Well, nobody does, and that's a nice touch. I, I like that. So remember before when I said that they were, uh, with the cowboy? And Rod opened the trunk of the van, and there was just the gas in there. Well, now they open the back again, and suddenly there were fishing rods and a stove. How? That doesn't make any sense. And Rod decides that he's going to fish in non placid waters, and he's going to just throw his cast right in, right in the rolling waves. Good idea. It's not going to happen. Kids and the gnat, and the gnat. I'm calling her the Natalie now. No, kids and gnat. I should call her Envy. <laughs> no. Uh, they go to get some seaweed, and uh, at this point we can see there's barely any battle damage on anybody. Nobody has any cuts or anything. It. it doesn't really feel like an apocalypse it feels like um a family trip to the beach well rod starts fishing and it looks like he's peeing it looks like he's pissing off the rocks it doesn't look like he's fishing it looks funny then they decide to do some dutch angles they try to get some creative creativity in here and they decide let's put this camera at a slight angle anyways rod comes back and he's like i got a fish and she's like good I got seaweed and he's like good and the kids are just playing ball they're unaware that there's food being boiled not cooked but boiled then they decide you know we want happy meals i want a happy meal y'all have been playing ball for an hour y'all don't want a happy meal y'all should be happy with friggin the seaweed dude come on then like the birds attack again and only the van can protect them. Oh no, what are they going to do? They run back into the van. Rod starts shooting, and then he's suddenly out of ammo. He never reloaded. He gets a tire iron, and she gets a gas can. Not sure where she gets the, the gas can from. Not sure where he gets the tire iron from, but they have it. They never intend to leave the van, so they just don't. The ending of the movie is that, you know, doves show up. They just show up. That's the end of the movie. Imagine peace. Imagine peace. There you go. So that's the end of the movie. And what's my moral from it? What, what what do I think the moral is? Well, I think like money and success can't stop the world from ending. You should also trust people with guns and know that the bird flu is causing SARS. You also need to imagine peace. There you go. So uh, that's Birdemic Shock and Terror. I hope you didn't enjoy it as much as I did. So now I decided, um, but this is how I would improve it. So the prompt I've given myself is nature fights back. And the twist is with birds. So here's my plot. Is there's a competitor a competitor to NTC software, and they want to establish dominance. So they decide to start cutting down trees to make way for this new, huge building, which could either be an office building or, like, a hotel or something. And so these birds move out of this, out of this sanctuary, pretty much, and go to a polluted part of the city, and then they start, you know, feeding off of this, like, radiation and start getting mutated and stuff. I have Rod, who is a software salesman slash entrepreneur, so we can tell as he's going through this, through his day-to-day, you know, he's, like, pitching ideas to different people, like, here's how we can make it green, here's how we can make it blah blah blah, here's how we can, like, he's still pitching ideas, and everyone's like, you're just a salesman, you'll never be an entrepreneur. Calm down, Rod. And then I have Nat, who is going to be the CEO of the rival company. Or, no, she's not the CEO. She is the CEO's daughter of the rival company. I'm sorry. Uh, she's, like, his right hand, and she is just spoiled out the wazoo. Like, super spoiled. There'd be, like, a whole Romeo and Juliet thing. I know that's kind of stale, but it'd, it'd probably work for this, honestly. I mean, we're not making this for the Pope, <laughs> as my Grandpa used to say. But, I mean, it'd be, it'd be fine for this. Uh, Maya would show up, uh, she's still Nat's best friend, but she wants her to kind of look at business in a more green way, you know, more more on the green side. Uh, Rick would show up as well. He's still Rod's best friend and coworker. Uh, he's he riffs on Rod for his like green messages and stuff, but he still supports him. Uh, and he he's probably not going to be as pervy as he was. I, I don't want him to be that pervy, so. Uh, Tom Hill, the the forest creepman, uh, he'd be introduced a lot earlier uh, with his his house being deforested. He uh, hasn't seen any birds in a while, so he goes to the news outlet to get help. He's afraid they might be mutating, and and knowing the nature of the birds, they go in flocks. So he's afraid that this might cause an outbreak and, and would cause nationwide panic, basically uh, Ramsey and Becky decide to, uh, help Tom, so they, they see the reports of him, and they, they drive their van to his location, they're ready to protect him and, and get his home back, and they, they want to fight for him, or rather with him, uh, the boy, the little boy, his name is Tony, which I'm not sure that I said that, but his name is Tony, uh, he's, in this, in my version, he's this barely surviving kid, who just wants to protect his sister at all costs, he's like, he is going to, you know, learn how to use a gun. He's going to protect her at all costs. He's going to make sure that she is okay, you know. And Susan is just scared. She wants to go home. She wants to feel safe again. The birds came. They took everything, you know. The the birds attacked and just took everything from them. And she's she just wants to feel safe. So th- that's how I would improve it. I think the plot would be a little bit different, a little bit more... Um, a bit more structured, less all over the place. Again, it did take him four years to do it. I get it, but t- budget of $10,000 and, you know, y- y- it might be a bit garbage, but it wouldn't be the worst. So I'm going to go with some major flaws that I saw in the movie. The the major flaw is that it does not explain itself. So I, w- I would fix this by, like, Instead of having exposition be on an environmental message, have that be a background. And have the characters kind of explain who they are, what they do. Have it be based around environment and not directly on environment. Having it directly on it means you're going to lose people real quick. And it almost lost me a little bit. (laughs) Like, it it makes me want to pollute more now that I've seen it but it does the exact opposite whenever you force something you are going to get the exact opposite uh the next flaw is the sound design and the random cutouts so I would recommend uh, a boom mic which apparently they had but learning how to use it would be so much better also personal mics like the what are they called the after I forget, I forget what they are the ones that just clip to your to your shirt have them hidden like, something like that, just so that, you know, you don't have to do bad dubs or whatever. Like, making it easier on people. Also, don't shout directions while filming. I'm pretty sure he did that once or twice. Actors should know their places at the time of filming. Like, where they stand, and where they're going, and... and Practice, practice, practice. That's all I can say. Practice, practice, practice. Next flaw is the trust relationships. So as I said, a major flaw or a major uh, thing that I noticed was trusting strangers, especially people with guns. Uh, Not a good thing to do in the real world. So, to kind of show it's an apocalypse, don't have a lot of people be trusting. Um, Have it so that these people are... You have to establish this trust over time, because if this apocalypse does ever break out, you know, much like with the pandemic, like, now we have a frame of reference. Back then we didn't have a frame of reference, but right now we do. Like, if you don't wear a mask, if you're not vaccinated, people look at you weird. You know, like, they're like, okay, yeah, I don't trust that person. They're not wearing a mask. I'm out of Walmart. I'm not trusting that person, or that person is wearing a mask. I-, I saw this thing about how anti-maskers are scared of people who do wear masks because... They're afraid they're going to get the virus. How? In in what world does that work? Anyways. Trust should be established over time. Like, having the, the main characters forced to be together. Like I said before, you know, forcing things isn't going to make it work. But it will change people's minds. It will get them to be like, okay, I just to stick this out with you. Let's just do it. And then they find out, whatever. Trust relationships. Oh, there's a flaw that the eagles attack at random. Having it so that the eagles attack... Having the eagles attack being, like, telegraphed. Have it be telegraphed. Have it so that there's, like, screeching beforehand, or, you know, you hear flapping, or, or something. You know, something that means that they're close, you know? Like, you could have, like, a cloud of eagles instead of just, like, a random pack. Having a cloud would be so much different than having, like five attacking one place and then circling. Making it so that the mutation made them become a hive mind would be way scarier (laughs) than five of them attacking a van. Also, determine if they're eagles, falcons, or blackbirds, because the movie refers to them as eagles. The one dude says they're blackbirds, and their model is a falcon, so they need to pick which one they are before they continue on, like, that's a, like, get it a little bit more consistent, you know, next one is, actually, the last flaw that I noticed was Becky, so I said this before, give her more screen time, like, I would have given her at least a couple more lines, at least something to, to get her more established, make her more relatable, you know, have her, like, getting terrified of being attacked by the birds, or something like that, make it so that she, like, Whenever the birds are screeching, she, like, cower in fear and start shaking, you know? Like, she couldn't hold a gun in her hand or, you know? So, something that makes it so that we know that there's something at stake. She's not just a random character. And at that point, you know, she can, like, she can get killed off. And not only will it affect the story, it'll also, like, you're giving yourself a an, an out, whenever that happens, you know, like, um, Ramsey could have been called back to the Marines, like, establish also that he's been in the Marines, but, like, you know, if, if, if Becky's afraid of all the birds, you know, to explain why she stays in the van the whole time, um, so her death isn't so random, whatever, I said, I said that before, all right, someone gets to the conclusion to the end of this here because I'm going on an hour and a half, and I'm really hungry <laughs> so uh, my conclusion is that it was poor execution four years of development does not a good movie make they tried uh, my proclusion though some of my, my positives is that it is a passion project I couldn't really find much more past that because it, it like I said it, it someone had a vision someone had an idea and they wanted other other people to see it that's where it went so good for them good on you James nice so if you enjoyed it that's great next week I will be watching a movie called A Bucket of Blood it was filmed in or rather produced in 1959 I almost said 7 but it's 1959 uh, it's about uh, Walter Paisley a nerdy busboy at a bohemian cafe It shows of the talent and popularity of, his, of its various artistic regulars but after accidentally killing his landlady's cat and covering the body in plaster to hide the evidence, he is acclaimed as a brilliant sculptor, but his newfound friends want to see more of his work. lacking any artistic talent whatsoever, Walter has to resorts to similar methods to reproduce, or rather to produce a new work, and soon people start mysteriously disappearing. I'll be back next week for, for that, so have a good week and enjoy this really fun outro music.